This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. In 1887 in France, 30-year-old Henry Pranzini was convicted of murder. He had murdered three women, a high-end prostitute, her maid, and the maid's daughter. He had slit their throats. He was a sophisticated fellow. He was born in Egypt. He spoke several languages. And what he did for a living? He was a professional blackmailer. It was in the newspapers in France and also reported in those newspapers was the fact that he was refusing to make his peace with God before his execution. So now we're going to go to St. Therese of Lisieux when she was a child, 13 or 14 years old. Her name was Therese Martin and she was living at home. She was very sheltered. She was the youngest. Her sisters did everything for her. I mean, she didn't even know how to do her own hair. She didn't have to do many chores and she was sheltered. Her father tried to keep the newspaper from her. He didn't want her exposed to any of the ugliness of the outside world. She just lived this very sheltered life. Not completely. She lost her mother when she was young, four years old, but she had older sisters who just stepped in and they were like her mom. So she did live this, this very innocent, innocent life. But her older sister was in the Carmelite convent and she knew that she had a calling to enter the convent as well. And she just couldn't wait till she was old enough to do it. But as a child, Therese was becoming very close to the Lord and her little way that we hear about, it was percolating. Its seeds were here in her childhood, in her childhood home before she ever went into the convent. So we know her by her little way, which really is doing little things with great love that this accomplishes much in the kingdom of God. And so this was her little way. And it's one reason why, you know, after she died, she died at 24, but after she died and was canonized a saint. She was later proclaimed a doctor of the church because this idea of her little way was so transforming for so many people. And it's so simple, but it was kind of an idea that it wasn't common and people needed it. They needed to know that it was love that accomplished the work of God in the world. And so if you do anything with love, it would help and it would matter. So this is kind of percolating with Therese because here she is, she's a child and she really can't do a whole lot. She's pretty powerless, really. But she gets hold of the newspaper and she reads about Henry Pranzini. And it's amazing her response. She read the newspaper 
and I'm going to read a quote from her diary. Quote, everything led to the belief that he, Pranzini, would die unrepentant. I wanted at any cost to prevent him from falling into hell, unquote. So she's really worried about his salvation, this, this horrific murderer. It's kind of like an outlet of the Carmelite spirituality that she had learned from her sisters. There's something called spiritual motherhood, and it's through prayer, sacrifice, you are a spiritual mother to someone and you birth you birth souls into heaven. It's a different kind of motherhood. And it it takes advantage of everything about a woman that's a woman. You know, if you're a woman and, and you don't have children or can't have children or will never have children, you can still be a spiritual mother and you can embrace spiritual motherhood and birth people into the kingdom of God. It's It's part of that whole thing. And so here she is. She's only 14 years old and she decides that she wants to help save his soul, birth him into, into heaven. So she does quite a few little things. One of them is she makes little sacrifices with great love. For instance, when she sat at the chair at the dinner table, she wouldn't lean back. That's a very little thing. But what can a 13 or 14 year old really do who's sheltered and protected the way she is? So she didn't lean back on the chair and she offered that to Jesus with love for Pranzini. I mean, that's what she did at the table. She often was spoiled. She got to have the best morsels of dinner, you know, first choice and all that. But they always put out a few leftovers from the night before. So she started taking the leftovers first. That was her little sacrifice. And then she went to her local priest and she arranged for a mass to be said for Henry Pranzini. So she did that. And she stormed heaven for him. She found a saint, the one she thought was a perfect saint, Saint Dismas. Saint Dismas is the good thief. So he storms heaven. We remember the story. He gets, Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So she's thinking, you know, Saint Dismas is the guy. He was a criminal and he deserved to be crucified, but he asked Jesus for mercy and he's admitted into his kingdom at the 11th hour. So she's praying to St. Dismas. She's having a mass. She's making these little sacrifices. But the other thing that she did, which was really interesting, is that she asked Jesus for a sign. And, and she writes in her diary, I'm quoting her, she asked for a sign, quote, for my consolation, because he is my first child. Unquote. So we think of a sign like an evil age, ask for a sign, all that kind of thing. She didn't ask for signs all the time. It was just so that she would know if she was on with this little way. Was this the way? Was this real? And she needed to know because then, of course, she she finds out, you know, and then she develops this little way. So that's why she asked for a sign from Jesus. She wanted to know, would it work? Now, think about this. This Pranzini, he's sophisticated. He's twice her age. He's arrogant. He's still not accepting any any priest to, to hear his confession. He is going to go to the guillotine and a proud and arrogant and angry. What a contrast. What a contrast between her innocence and his life and her childlikeness and his sophistication and her humility and his pride. I mean, it doesn't get any more opposite, but it's beautiful because she picks him to be her first child. So anyway, what happens is that 
we have the priest who had repeatedly tried to reach out to Pranzini. He actually would talk with him, but Pranzini would not make his peace with God. But we have this priest's words. He wrote down what happened at the execution. So I'm going to read it to you. Quote, when after saying a last farewell, I, Father Fowler, took a step back, he, Pranzini, cried out in a voice choked with anguish, in a cry full of repentance and faith, Father, bring me the crucifix. I quickly went to him and pressed the crucifix to his lips. He kissed it fervently. We exchanged a couple of words. He was pushed against the platform. A noise sounded. The blade fell. It was all over. Unquote. So, Therese, she got her sign. It was in the newspapers. And she got her sign. And I'm just thinking, he, he was clueless. How many people do we pray for or that we might make sacrifices for that are clueless? He was clueless. He had no idea that this spiritual giant, this little girl, was going to bat for him and that he would have her to thank for all eternity. She got her sign and we got her little way. We got her as a doctor of the church. It's awesome to think about that. And Therese is known for for repeatedly going on about her powerlessness. Who is more powerless than she was at that time? A minor, a 13, 14 year old little girl. We have our mission. We have our mission. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we're at. We could be in a sick bed. And if we take advantage of that sick bed, we can birth souls into heaven. There's spiritual motherhood. Well, there's spiritual fatherhood too. You know, that's the point of being a member of the body of Christ. The great story of salvation is that Jesus allows us to join him in saving others. And we think, well, that's kind of a big thing to do. But when we look at someone like Therese, wow, it's pretty simple. We need to be mindful of it because God is love. So if we're doing something with love, we're doing it with God's power. And it's interesting how he, you know, he lets us use his power. It's so funny because he doesn't need us. Why he sets it up that we participate. What a privilege. Bishop Fulton Sheen used to go by a hospital and he would lament. He'd say, oh, the wasted suffering. Because he knew the power of that suffering, you know, if it were offered for others. So Therese you know, she develops this little way and, and no one in the convent really understands her sanctity. Remember I said that she didn't have to do much work at home? Well, they found her kind of a hindrance, a liability in, in a certain sense. Like she couldn't clean well or sweep well or the jobs they gave her. The main complaint was that she just couldn't do much. And then she got sick, you know, and then she and she died at, at the age 24. So the nuns, they didn't get her sanctity, but it wasn't until her diary was published and distributed and letters started coming in to the, the, the Carmelite convent reporting miracles. And I think, I think she might have the most miracles of all the saints. It's a tremendous amount even today. As she was dying, she said, I feel my mission is about to begin. 
my mission to make the, my little way known so that Jesus can, can be loved by everyone the way I love him. I mean, she knew that was her mission and it wasn't going to start until she died. You know, there's no explanation. No one knew her. They just except the people in the convent, the nuns and, you know, her family. No one knew her. And look, worldwide, in contemporary time, she is the most popular saint that there is. She did begin her mission. What you do on this earth matters so much. How you spend your time, your little sacrifices, even not sacrifices, doing something with love, even if it's not a sacrifice. If you do it with love, you tap into that source. You tap into the power of God because God is love. And when you get to heaven, you're going to see all the fruit of your great, great love that you had for God in the little things that you did. I sincerely thank you for joining me today. It's been such a privilege to be with you. My hope and my prayer, and yes, my mission, is that you are inspired towards whatever God has for your life at this time. On our next program, we will discuss relying on God to get it right when we get it wrong. This is Julian Durko with your next mission from God. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, produced at the studios of Matriday Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit matridayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.